We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. I've showed you how Jesus dealt with the Roman centurion. The centurion says, I know that when I speak, those that are under my authority, they move. When you speak, things that are under your authority move. I talked about that last week, how we have been given authority by Jesus Christ in our lives. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. That's it. Genesis chapter 1, verses 23 through 27. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures. Now I want you to repeat these next four words with me every time it's in the scripture. You ready? According to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. It was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds. Oh, you missed it. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Are you seeing the pattern? Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that we may be able to rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now look at verse 28. So God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Now what are we supposed to do? Rule. Over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. So we've got all of creation, it is completed. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now look at verse 5. This is, this is powerful. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. When God made all of creation... He made everything according to its own kind. Okay? So that pattern continued with you and me. When He made us, He made us according to its own kind. We were made in the image of God. We were made after God. And so He made us according to His kind. So we have God DNA living and residing in us. We find that God rested on the seventh day. And then on the eighth day, what did He do? He breathed life into us. He breathed His Spirit into Adam. 
And then he saw that, that Adam was alone. And so he took care of that. And so look at this word regeneration for just a moment. I told you from the beginning of this series that Jesus came to restore the kingdom of God on earth. Regenerate, restore. The word regenerate, the, the first part is re, it means to do it again. Generate means to start. So in other words, with Jesus, the second Adam, he had to regenerate, he had to start again what he started in Genesis. Genesis, he started it, but God said in Psalms and the other verses we've read that we lost our glory when we sinned. Adam and Eve lost the glory of God. The weight of the authority of their words, the way to rule, they lost it. So God sent Jesus, the second Adam, to restart again what was started in Genesis. The word repent, the first syllable re means to again. Pent means five. Or it also means the penthouse. So get this. When we repent of our sins, we now are again taken back to the top. This is awesome stuff, church. When we repent of our sins, we're, we're, we're at the bottom of our life when we're, when we're away from God. But when we repent, God says, I'm going to take you immediately. You don't have to gradually get there. Immediately you go back to the top of the chain. Immediately you go back to where your rightful position of my child is with my DNA. The old man is dead. The new man is now alive, right? Old things are passed away. Brian's not there anymore. He's dead. It's a new, new creation. A new, why? He's starting again in you. He started again in me. I repented. My life was at the bottom. Now it is at the top. As children of God, we are the head. We are not the tail. We have been given the DNA of Christ. No matter how you were when you repented, Jesus puts you back to the top. So to regenerate means to start over. That word generate has its root word gene or genetics. God creates everything according to its own kind. So when God created us, He created us after His genetic makeup, after His DNA, after His genes. So when we are children of God, born of the Spirit, we are no longer born of the flesh, but we have God's genetic code living in us. Jesus came to restore that authority, that glory, that DNA of putting us back to the top so that we now have a life in Christ and Christ in us. We have God's genetic code and His genes changes everything. It changes the way I look, the way I talk, what I do. The things of this world, I don't even want to do them anymore. Why? Because I have a different genetic makeup. The curse is broken. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? The curse gets broken. We have new life. And now he says, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, rule. God's will is to be done through us. Just like when Jesus prayed on the garden, he said, not my will, but thine be done. We must submit our will. I told you to have authority, you have to be under authority. When we are under God's authority, we crucify the flesh, we're alive in the Spirit, 
and we walk and pray and worship in the Spirit. When Adam sinned, he lost the ability to rule, to govern with his words. God created everything in five days. On the seventh, he rested. On the eighth day, he breathed life into man and gave him new life. Jesus Christ did all of this work. On the fifth day, he was crucified. Six, seven. On the eighth day, what happened? God breathed life back into him again. To give us new hope, new life. We have a new genetic makeup. In the book of Acts, they worked five days, rested. And then they got together as the church. Now listen to this. This is exciting. The word church in the Greek means ecclesia. It means called out once. We know we're called out. We are separated by God. The wheat and the chaff get separated. But the word church to the Romans also had a meaning. To the Romans, church meant the greeting and the meeting together of governors. Those who had ruling authority over regions. So when the Romans called a church meeting, it was a meeting of all of those governors who had authority. When we get together as a church, it is a meeting together of all of the children of God who have governing, ruling authority. You're going to get there in a minute. When we get together, listen, one can put to flight a thousand, two, ten thousand. When we get together, we are no small little group of people. We are a mighty, powerful church called out, governing, ruling. Men and women have the genetic code of God in us. This is powerful stuff. Jesus the second, Adam, his side was pierced, blood and water flowed. This gave us new DNA to start again, to regenerate us so that we repent and go back to living the very top of our life. From the very penthouse of this life we live. Look at James 1.8. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be what? A kind of first fruit of all he created. He did things after its kind, according to its kind. God gives us new birth by his choice. I have genetic code of God, the DNA of God, the glory of God in me. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. The old is past. The new is there. His word, my words, his life, my life, my actions, his actions, his actions, my actions. Why? Because I am his child. Everybody tells my son he looks a lot like me. Why? Everybody tells my daughter she looks a lot like her mother. Why? Genetic makeup. Genetic code. I have a grandson that will not stop talking. He won't. It's impossible. My, my son-in-law told me this morning, he said, I, I told him I'd give him money if he would not talk for five minutes. Couldn't do it. It's not his fault. What happened? He got his poppy gene. That's what they call it. He got a poppy gene inside of him. 
It affects the lineage. Listen, we are in line with Jesus Christ. He is our brother. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are not at the bottom. We don't have to beg. We've been moved all the way to the front of the class. All the way to the top of life. We are living in the penthouse. Our words have authority. Our lives have authority. We have a new genetic makeup. Listen, we begin to understand. I am a ruling governor in this life. I have power and authority because of the genetic makeup of my life. And your words can work for you. Or they can work against you. Look at this, James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Wow. How many of us in the middle of our problems can just shut up? We don't want to do that, do we? We want to tell everybody our problems. They marched around Jericho for six days. And what they tell them to do? Shut up. Shut up. Shh. We don't want anybody grumbling and complaining about how hot it is and dusty it is. Man, I'm, I'm back at number 4,000 and look at all the dust they're stirring up in front of me. I can't breathe. Why can't I be in the front of the line? Man, look how hot it is. These, these walls are gigantic. Why are we doing this foolishness? They're up there laughing at us. They're having races. They're having a fun time. They're mocking us. I want to say something. Don't we all? Don't we all when we face in a really hard battle life? Isn't that what we want to do is tell everybody how bad it is? I, I will admit I am a terrible, terrible patient. My wife. I don't want to be stuck back in the bedroom. Now, when she gets sick, she wants to get back in the bedroom, shut the door, no lights, don't talk to her. When I'm sick, I want to be in the living room. I want to be on the sofa where everybody has to come by and see me. I want to tell them, oh, if you just knew how bad it is. I'm a terrible patient. I, I, I'm quick to speak and slow to listen. But God says, hey, listen, we've, we've got to understand that our words can work for us or they can work against us. On the seventh day, he did said, all that pent-up energy, I want you to shout. I don't want you to grumble and complain. The people coming out of Egypt, what were they doing? Grumbling and complaining. Well, at least while we were in Egypt, we had some good food to eat. We had good, fresh vegetables. And out here, all we've got is this lentil and this, this uh, manna stuff. I'm tired of that every day. Yeah. And the same clothes for 40 years? Come on. Grumbling, complaining, murmuring, moo-mooing. And listen, our words can work for us. And if we listen, I'll guarantee you the Holy Spirit will speak to you. We're different. We're called out. We are to be the ones to bless, not to curse. Your mouth has the power of life and death in it. And we've got to be careful to speak what is life? The Bible tells us to be imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means we're to act like Him every day of our life. Talk like Him. Have the same mannerisms as Him. Why? Because it changes your life. What you say is important because of who you are. I want you to look back at verse 5 of that, that scripture I read. It said, And God did not let it rain... Because he did not want shrubs to grow 
Because there was no one to take care of them. Now here's another exciting truth that's just going to get me so excited. I'm telling you. God, when He made creation, He is always a complete God. When He made creation, think about it. If all it takes is rain to produce the shrubs, what did God already do ahead of time? He already put the seed in the ground. But there was no one to take care of the harvest, so God said, it cannot rain. Can't let it rain. Because there's nobody to take care of it. But as soon as He made somebody take care of it, what happened? It rained. And there were shrubs. There was harvest. Brother Brian, you were talking about this. If you want a double harvest, you've got to plant twice. There has to be seed in the ground. What I believe God has already done, God has already put the seed into so many people's lives on this earth. But there has to be somebody to take care of the harvest. God will never let a harvest be brought into a barn if the barn's not going to handle it. He does not want it to rot. He does not want it to decay. He wants it to be taken care of. So what I found, a biblical truth about church is this. When we get ready to handle harvest, then God will let the rain happen. Now I'm talking about personally in your own life. I've known people that have gotten financially blessed that could not handle I've known people that have gotten blessed in many different ways that could not handle You know what I found with some people that get financially blessed? They quit coming to church. Because they don't need God anymore. I don't need God. I don't need to be a dog to get my bills paid anymore. I don't, I've got more money than I can spend. Why do I need God? Or all of a sudden they get a happy marriage or a happy family and everything's going great. You know what I found? They don't come to church. Well, everything's going great. I only go to church in crisis mode. I only call on God when there's a crisis. And God said, that's not the relationship I want. I want you to be able to handle the harvest. So I want you to, when you get financial blessing, I want you to tithe. I want you to give above and beyond the tithe. I want you to bless somebody else who hasn't been blessed. Because then I know you can handle it. I, I don't, when you get married and you're happy, I want you to still come to the church. So that you can show other people how to have a happy marriage. Well, whenever your family's doing great, be in the church. So everybody can look around and go, hey, that's a great family. Man, I want our family to be like that. I, wa I want what they have. Because we are to be blessed, not cursed. We have power and authority governing inside our bodies because of our genetic makeup. And there's lots of seeds I believe God's already put in your lives and in the lives of everybody on the face of this earth. But because some of us cannot handle it, the rain on that area has not happened in our lives. And because some of the other people in this town, they don't have a church ready to handle them, the rain has not happened in their life. What a responsibility for the church to get ready for harvest. You know what I've seen happen when our churches have grown? People walk in and get mad because somebody else is in their seat. People come to church and they show up 15, 20 minutes late and they didn't get their parking space. Somebody else got it. Well, Lord, I'll just go to another church. Yeah, we need you to go to another church where you can get your chair every Sunday. 
We need you to go to a church where you can get your parking lot because that means that church isn't growing. But this church is going to grow. This church is going to be a place where you may not get your seat unless you get here early. You may not get your parking space unless you get here early. I believe God wants to pour out a rain upon this church that begins to bring harvest into every one of your lives in a way you've never seen it before because the seed has already been planted by God. He's just waiting for you to get ready to handle the harvest. Whether it's finances or healing or health in your marriages and your kids, whatever it is in your life, a job, I don't know. But I believe that God has already put the seed there. He's just waiting for you to get ready to say, God, I can handle it. Rain on me. And I want to repeat the words of that prophet. He said, hey, wait a minute. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Church, I'm getting ready for God to pour out a rain in my life. I want a harvest like never before. Come on, if you need that rain, give me praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want what God has planted in my life. And I want it to bring forth so much fruit. So much harvest. God, I want to be able to handle it. I will give you all the glory. You see, people that can handle it know it comes from God. They didn't do it themselves. They did not do it themselves. This was something that God put in my life. I was able to mature in Christ. And now I can handle it. I can handle it. I wouldn't dare give my keys to some of those kids in the nursery to my car today. Would you? I don't care what kind of junker you're driving. You're not going to give them the keys. Because they're not ready to handle the responsibility. They don't understand what could happen if they don't handle it properly. And I've seen a lot of Christians that don't understand. If you don't handle the glory of God properly, He's not going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Why? Because you're going to mess up. You're going to hurt somebody. You're going to hurt yourself. He's not going to give you a really big sword unless you can handle a little sword. He's not going to give you great faith until you can handle a little bit of faith. And I've got to tell you, Cindy and I have been so blessed in our lives. That we've had people get mad at us because we were blessed. Had it. Some of the people in the church we left. We, we started a building campaign. And, uh, and so the building campaign people told me and Cindy we had to get in front of the church and tell them what we were going to be giving every month. Well, that's hard. So she went one way, I went another way for three weeks. We said, let's pray about this because we want God to move. So she came back. I came back. I had my number and I thought, man, this is going to blow her away. Boy, my number is such a great number of faith, praise God. And she's going to look at me and go, oh my goodness, what are you thinking about? Because she does the finances, I don't. So she brought her number, I brought mine. I proudly wrote down my number on a piece of paper, slid it across the table. She wrote down her number, slid it across the table. Count of three, we turned them up. Boom. Her number was exactly three times more than my number. And I thought I was doing real good. And I told her, we cannot afford to do this. I mean, I'm not doing the finances, but I, I'm kind of connected a little bit. I know what I make and I know what she makes and this ain't going to jihad. <laughs> and she said, this is what God told me we are to give and we're going to give it. Now I got to tell you, 
for what, five months, six months? We gave it. And it was tough. It was tough. But the whole time I told the church, we're getting ready for a blessing. Now, did I know where it was coming from? No. But about five or six months after we started this, this giving like this, it was crazy stuff. All of a sudden she got a call from another bank. And this guy, the president said, I want to meet with you and I'll offer you a job. And so she said, what, what should I do? I said, hey, go meet with him. It didn't cost anything to have a meeting. So she went and met with the president of this bank. And he offered a job. And guess what the increase in pay was? The exact amount that we had decided to give to the building program. Per month. That's ridiculous. That's not something that happens in everyday life. And when she came home and shared the number with me, we looked at it and we just began to praise God. That's all you can do. Because this is God saying, hey, you may think you've stepped out in faith, but I've got so much more in front of you that you have no idea. Don't ever doubt that I will provide for you. Don't you ever doubt that I will take care of you. You just keep on stepping out further and further in faith and see how long you walk on the water. Because I've got your hand. I've got your back. When you say something, I'm backing up your authority in you. I have codes today of genetic codes in my life that are not mine. They are God's. His glory is in my life. It's on my wife. It's on my kids. My grandkids. The Bible tells me that I will be a blessing to 10,000 generations that come after me because of the seed in my life. I want my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, my great-great-great-great-great-grandkids if God doesn't come back to say, hey, I thank God for my poppy who was a man of God and stood on the Word of God and let God live in him. Hallelujah. He showed me how to be a man of God. He showed me how to live by faith. He showed me why. Because it's glory of God in Him. It's not Him. And today, church, God wants to reign so much into your life as individuals and in the life of this church. You have no clue what God thinks PCA can be in a year, 5, 10, 15 years from now. This could be a church that changes this entire community. I want this entire community to be affected by the glory of God living in you. I want the rain to bring forth harvest in your life. And you can tell people, look what God has done in my life. Look at the harvest. Because God has already put the seed in you. He's just holding off the rain until you can handle the harvest. There's so many things in my life that I still can't handle. But I want to. I want to be able to handle all that God wants for my life. I want Him to be able to say, Okay, Dwayne, you're ready for the next blessing. You're ready for the next harvest. But in order to do that, I've got to be found faithful over small things. See, God's not always about the big things. He's always about the small things. If I'm found faithful over small things, Listen, I used to wash a little rusted out Toyota Corolla with no air conditioning in it and it had the, the fake lambskin seat covers on it from Walmart. And every time we got out, we, our backs were covered with that fake lambskin stuff stuck to us. It didn't have a headliner in the roof of it and 
there was just all kind of stuff stuck up there. I wouldn't even tell you what all stuck up there. We had kids. You can imagine. There's Cheetos and everything else stuck up there. We'd go to church. My wife would have to go in the church and put on the makeup again because it sweated off from the house to the church. I had bumper stickers on that says, please take this car. Nobody would. Be driving down the road, the key just fall out of the ignition. But I washed that car, I waxed that car, I cut my hands on the rust of that car. But every time I washed it, I said, God, if I'm faithful over the small things, you said you'd make me ruler over me. And God, I want to have the good things in life. I want to have the best that you have for me. And I got to tell you, God has blessed this little old guy from Mississippi. Bless that little girl from Louisiana. And we have a great life today. It's all because of the glory of God, the DNA that He put in me when I was 11 years of age and I met my heart and I said, Lord, I want to receive you. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't understand that I was given my father's DNA. I didn't understand the authority that He was giving me, that He was taking me to the top at 11 years of age. All I was told was just don't mess up and hang on and hopefully you'll make it. And God says, no, 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 that's not why I sent Jesus Christ. I sent Him so you can now rule and reign in this life. You can have an effect on other people's life in this life because your glory is my glory and my glory is your glory and you've got my genetic code and I put seeds in your life. When Sandy married me, she did not marry a preacher. That seed was way down in here somewhere. About six or seven years later, God rained on that seed and began to bring a harvest. I wish I could tell you all the things that happened. Let me tell you real quick. We were doing a lot in our church. I, I led worship. I was a deacon at the age of 21. What church would have, would have, would have left a 21-year-old kid as a deacon? We were doing Sunday school class. We helped out with Royal Rangers and Pat Girls. We were doing all this stuff. And yet God said that wasn't enough. We were working full-time jobs. I don't know how we did it all. But we took a, set, a group of youth to a, a, a retreat, youth retreat one weekend. And that whole weekend, it's like the preacher was talking right to me. He read my mail during the message. He said, and he said this during the whole, there's thousands of people there. And he said, there's a young man here that you came to know Jesus at a very young age. And God put a call upon you to preach. But you've resisted that calling. God's telling you it's now time. He said, you're a preacher's kid. And God's telling you, now is the time. I mean, just read my mail. It was just me and him, the only two people there. Went down to the altar, poured my heart out. I didn't tell my wife. We had just put our house up. I had a great job. She had a great job. We just put our house up for sale because her dream home came on the market. Big, beautiful home, swimming pool. I mean, it was Beverly Hillbilly stuff, you know? <laughs> And I told God, I said, how am I going to disappoint her? She's got her heart set on this. So that was on a Saturday. I mean, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm at work. Man, my heart is just heavy. I can't hardly breathe. God's conviction is on my heart. And Thursday when I'm at work, I said, God, if you'll get me home, I'll do anything you want me to do. And I went home and I threw myself on the bed and God just spoke. I mean, it wasn't vocally, but it was everything but vocally. And he said, you're called into the ministry. I said, how am I going to tell Sandy? So I waited. She was working at a pharmacy. She got off work. She got off work at 5. At 5.15, she wasn't home. She was always home by 5.15. 5.20, she's not there. I'm getting worried. 
I called the pharmacy. Oh, she left at 5 o'clock. She should be home by now. So I'm about to get ready to walk out the door to go get her when she meets me at the door. Now, she had been telling God all week long, uh, the God had told her to go speak to our pastor. She had been telling God all week long, well, well, uh, he's never there, and, and, and our pastor didn't keep office hours. And so she just said on Thursday, well, I'll go by the church. If his car's there, I'll stop. She went by the church, went into the office. There he was sitting at the desk, had a stack of books on the desk. He said, I've been waiting for you because God's called the way into the ministry. He gave her the stack of books. When I opened the door, she's holding the stack of books. She starts to cry. I said, what's the matter? She said, I just wanted to tell you, God's called you in the ministry. I said, that's what I was going to tell you. We started crying and just hugged each other and wept. And within a month, man, we had I both quit our jobs. We had moved. We had gone to Southwestern. Didn't know what we were doing. We were just following God with all of our hearts. And God showed us through that four years, I will provide for you so many times. I will provide. I will take care of you. You just follow me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'll go before you and fight your battles. I'll go before you and take care of you. Why? Because I'm a child. My DNA is His DNA. The glory of God is living inside of me and is living inside of you. He just wants you to say, I'll follow you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'll say what you want me to say. Do what you want me to do. And I'll go where you want me to go. Just God. Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. The passion is still strong in my soul today. That's all I want. I want God every Sunday when the service is over and we leave. I want to hear two words. Well done. That's all I want. I want to be able to say, God, I said what you wanted me to say. Lord, let them hear what you want them to hear. And I believe to every one of you today, it means something different. There's a seed inside of you. There's something inside of you that God wants to bring a harvest in. And you haven't experienced it yet, but you want it so bad. I'm telling you, God says, I want you to be ready to handle it. Some churches can't handle growth. They don't like it when they don't know everybody. Hey, listen, I went to a family reunion. I didn't know half the people that were there. <laughs> How many of you know all your family members? I don't. And the ones I do know, I wish they didn't know half of them. <laughs> Why do people in church think they have to know everybody? You don't. You're all part of the same family. You don't have to know everybody. But we're, we're part of the family. I want, the, I want hell to decrease. Oh, God's kingdom to increase. And that's why Jesus came to regenerate so that we repent and go to the top so that we understand that we are governors. We're reigning and ruling with Christ now. That's why He gave us this book. It's how to live here. We won't need this in heaven. This is for right now. This is saying, hey, Dwayne, right now, I have chosen to give you birth after my kind. According to my kind. According to my kind. Stand with me today, church. Stand with me.
message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.